Christ alone, our hope is found. And many of us have tried to find hope in many of the different things in this life, but we found out over time that those things we we were trying to put our hope in were only temporary. Amen. But only Christ, right? And our hope in him is only permanent forevermore. And so money cannot truly satisfy us because we want to want more money, right? You know, relationships, right? Can't truly satisfy because we get in a relationship, right? We have goes up and down, doesn't it? And so we try to find this identity in this world. Family, we cannot find satisfaction in this world. Try to make your body, right, so beautiful and amazing that one day your body, right, is going to get old. So it doesn't matter what we look for in this world. Everything in this world is so temporary. But for Christ, it's forevermore. He doesn't change. And what he has for us is better than what this world can offer us. With that being said, turn with me to Romans this morning. We're going to be in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 11. Um, do anybody need a Bible? Raise your hand. And if you need a Bible, it's our gift from us to you. You can have it if you don't have one. So anybody need a Bible, raise your hand. We can bring a Bible to you. Okay, just keep your hand raised. And our Bible person should be running over and bring you a Bible here in just a second. And if you don't have a Bible, again, that's our gift to up uh, from us to you. You can have it. And um, if you need anything else, don't hesitate to uh, to ask. Romans chapter five. We're gonna be looking at verses six to eleven. It tells us, for while we were still weak, at the right time. Christ died for the ungodly. For one scarcely died for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For while we were his enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Amen. Amen. Show of hands if you're like confused about whatever all what I just read. Show your hands. Like, I don't understand what you're saying right now. If you're new to the Bible, raise your hand. If you're new to church, raise your hand. All right, that's fine. I'm glad you're here. And I'm praying and pray for us right now that we can learn about God's word together at this time. So don't feel intimidated. If you're like, man, I'm supposed to know this. I went to church when I was a kid. Don't feel embarrassed. You're okay. You're not alone. We have people that have been coming every Sunday still don't know what's going on. So you're fine, okay? But let's ask the Lord to help us. Let me pray for us. Ask the Lord to help us. And see how we're going to be able to understand what God is telling us in his word here this morning. So bear with me. Give me patience and everything. And um, give TikTok a second. Put TikTok to the side for just a second. You can get back on right at the sermon. Pinterest, Instagram, IG. What's the other ones y'all be getting on? Snapchat. Uh, 
Grotter, grotter, grotter. Never mind. All that. Just put it to the side for just a moment, okay? And let's get in God's word together. Let me pray for us and uh, ask the Lord to bless us. Our Father, God, in heaven, Lord, we thank you, Lord, again for bringing us back to your word. Lord, help us, Lord, understand your word. Let your word, Lord, come to life right now in our hearts and our lives, Lord. Help us understand your word. Let me preach your word with care, Lord. Let me preach your word faithfully. If it's not in your word, Lord, remove it from my notes, remove it from my mind and from my heart. But look, let me just not say what I want to say, but Lord, let me say what your word have me to say. So, Lord, we ask you to bless us right now with your word. Encourage us, Lord, for all of us, Lord, have been going through things. All of us have turned our eyes away from you at times. So, Lord, help us, Lord, turn our eyes to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, last night on ESPN, one of the best games of the year took place. It was Georgia Bulldogs versus Ohio State Buckeyes. It was one of the biggest games, college football game, because whoever wins this game goes to the national championship. So in this game, Georgia is the big dog, you know, the big dog. So Georgia is the team that everybody expected to win. Georgia kind of reminds me of myself, you know, the big dog. And so by Georgia being the big dog and being the team that is expected to win, and for us to be able to, to be able to see to take the victory, well, Ohio State was said, well, they're the underdogs. And Ohio State, for them, said, well, even though Georgia's the big dog supposed to win, we're not gonna be, we're not gonna let them walk over us. So during this game, Ohio State started the game off, they took the lead. They took the lead. Then they scored another touchdown. Then they scored another touchdown. And Georgia fan, people around the world, like, what is going on? The big dog, Georgia, is about to lose Ohio State. Corral. This is not supposed to happen. Georgia supposed to blow out Ohio State because Georgia is in the SEC. SEC is known as the, this power company. So Ohio State is, they're winning pretty much all the game. And here comes the last quarter of the game. Georgia didn't give up. So Georgia came back and Georgia took the lead. Then all of a sudden, just a few seconds left in the game, Ohio State has the chance to win the game. It was all up to the kicker. If this kicker kicked the ball and the field goal goes in, Ohio State win the game, and they go to the national championship of the world. Jamar. So here are the kicker. Everybody look at me. To win the game, they got to kick the ball in. So they said, down, said, hut. And the guy that holds the ball for the kicker got the ball. The kicker went up and kicked the ball to win the game. And the ball fell short. Ohio State lost the game. Nay, Ohio State lost this game. They almost won the game. Georgia win. It is assured now that Georgia goes to the national championship. No one can take that away. They can say, hey, hold on, hold on, y'all, hold on. Give us another chance. Let us get this over. The time is up. Ms. Janet Chart, the time is up. The game is over. Ohio State has lost the game. 
So the game is over. It is still forever that Georgia has won. You might be asking a question like, Creston, you just read in Romans, what does Georgia football and Ohio State got to do with Romans? Listen to me. I think it, it alludes to a lot right now in this particular text. Is that when Georgia won the game, the game is secured. Everybody listen up. Everybody look up. The game is secured, secured and Georgia has won. Family. I think Paul is reminding us of this in our text. Is that in chapter 5, Paul is reminding the church we have millions of reasons to be assured that we're in Christ. The game is pretty much almost over. But for those in Christ, we have already won the game. Amen. The game is already secured. We are just waiting on a final countdown for the game debate. It is over. And for those that are in Christ, we have already run. It's not like we're going to win. It's not like in the sense of we might win. It's not in the sense of that the other team might have a chance. But for those that have believed in Jesus, nothing can separate us from the love of God, that we are secure in him forevermore, no matter what that friend may say to us. No matter what the world may say to us. No matter what people try to bring up our past and try to bring up everything about us, the Lord Jesus said, for those that who believe upon him has already been secured in him forevermore. So family, we should rejoice. We should celebrate. We don't have to wait the new years to do this. We should celebrate every day that Jesus did what we couldn't do. Amen. So we can rejoice. And so today's text, what I just read, Paul's going to further ensure us that, hey, this is what Christ has done. This is assured that the game has already been won by Christ. Sometimes when you have marriage issues, sometimes when you lose your job, sometimes when them kids be doing too much, sometimes you're about to lose it, you feel like, God, I believe in you. Why are you letting all these things happen in my life? I tried to help somebody, but they still backstabbed me. I tried to do this, but they still did this to me. Lord, I'm trying to do what's right. I'm coming to Christ Redeemer Church. I'm trying to do what's right, but it still feels like the world is against me. This test today is for you and for me and for all of us to letting us know no matter what trials we go through, the gospel is enough that the Lord Jesus Christ will never leave us or forsake us and that we are in Christ no matter what our circumstances may be. With that being said, we're going to do it in a couple points. Bree blinking at me. Says she about want me to be over. So everybody stick with me. We're going to do it in three points. The first point is going to be Christ died for us. Verses 6 to 8. Point number two is that we are saved from God's wrath. Verse 9. And the last point is that we receive reconciliation. Verse 10 through 11. So to jump on point number one with me. Christ died for us. Look in verse 6. It said, it starts out with this word for. Paul starts out with the word for here. He's alluding back to verses 1 through 5. Paul taught us in verses 1 through 5 that we can rejoice in our justification. So we are justified before Christ. Right? Justified before Christ is saying is this right here is that you are made right. 
Anybody ever been before a judge before? Raise your hand. Okay? The judge can say guilty or what? Innocent. Guilty or not guilty? Guilty or not guilty? Okay? That's what the judge can do. Well, Christ is the truly judge, the big judge, right? The father judge. And when we stand before Christ, he's going to say not guilty for those in Christ. So we are justified. We are made right before God. That's what Paul had been alluding to in verses 1 through 5. He said, well, I had a speeding ticket. Well, uh, somebody did something. I was shooting at the window at him. Well, somebody did this to me. Christ's going to come and, and the Father's going to judge the world. They're going to say, well done, my good and faithful Janiah. Well done, my good and faithful Sean. You're like, hold on, I just did this. Christ doesn't see us, our sins anymore. Our sins have been nailed to the cross. So one through five, I guess is that. We are made right before the judge. You're not guilty. You're not guilty. You are in Christ because Christ became the guilty one. You are not guilty, but Christ is the one become guilty. He didn't become the one that because he took your sins on the cross, Christ is the one that got to pay the time for you. So you don't have to pay the time. You don't have to pay the consequences. You don't get the lecture chair. You don't get any of those things because Christ did all those things so you wouldn't get them. Amen. So that's the greatest news ever. Some people say, man, I want to believe in all this other stuff. Atheism, Buddhism, Mormonism, Mormonism, and Islam. There is no other religion in the world that has this, that Jesus Christ took the pain, the punishment that we deserve. And by doing it, he become guilty and we become not guilty. Not guilty. So Paul been explaining that. And Paul is saying by doing that is that you are not guilty. The judge don't go back. Let me evaluate this again. This judge doesn't evaluate it again. Once he says we are not guilty, family, we are not guilty. He's not like the earthly in, in a judge. Some can't you go and appeal an issue? Appeal? Is it double jeopardy? Or you can go appeal and say, well, I have some more evidence on this that, hey, you know, well, this person did this to me. In this world, you can use an appeal to try to say, hey, I really didn't do this, whatever the case. Well, in Christ as a true judge, there's no appeals. <laughs> it is final. Once he said we're not guilty, no matter what man may say, they might say we're guilty of a lot of stuff. But Shatera, the true judge say we're not guilty. That's what it gets said in verses 1 through 5. And Paul tells us this. At this time, when God said you was not guilty, look in verse 6. For while you were still weak, weak is given in the flesh, given into temptation. We've all been weak and passionate, right? We know certain things we shouldn't be doing, but we give in to it, right? Certain things we shouldn't be doing, we give in to it. One thing about me, I love ice cream at night. I love ice cream. I know it's not good for me at night, but if somebody give me some ice cream, Hey, I'll take care of the consequences later. I'm going to smash that ice cream, y'all. But in a way of that, in a same way, similar way, a lot of other things we might do, we know it's not good for us, right, in life. We have made decisions wasn't the best. And that's what Paul to get it right here. We all have been weak at a time. But Adam and Eve was weak in the flesh as well. They was tempted, right, to eat upon the tree to be over God, and they gave in. They was weak in the flesh. They didn't want to trust the Lord, and they trust themselves. And at times when we were trusting in ourselves, we displayed our hostility towards the Lord. 
So we wasn't strong at times. Family, if we were so strong, we would never sin against God, right? I'm not going to give in to this. It don't matter what. It don't matter how beautiful she is. I'm not going to give in to this. But we hear stories all the day. You know, people cheating on each other. Situations, things of that nature. So we're not as strong as we think we are, are we? We all are weak in this room. And that's what he's saying is right here, though, is that we all have been weak. And when we were weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's crazy, isn't it? Christ died for the ungodly when we were weak. Why did that happen? Think about it for a second. Think about it. Give yourself a couple seconds. Think about it. When you're weak, Christ died for the ungodly. Think about that. If that is possible, if Christ died for us when we were weak, family, how can we boast? We can't boast because we were weak. We wasn't searching after the things of God. So here in the scripture tells us right here, the ungodly. For those that wasn't seeking after God, for those that were weak, Christ died for them. And it tells us right here, in our text right here, that Christ died for the ungodly. Some of y'all may be thinking, well, Christ died for everybody in the world. Christ died for everybody. That's not what it's saying here. Because we got more scriptures that talks about Christ died for his unique people that he set aside for himself. And some people that are going to be going to hell. And some people are going to be going to heaven. We know that God has particularly has set aside people. We know this by zero verse, verse. Let me read a couple of them to you. Matthew 1, 21. And she will bring forth the son. He shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people Amen. from their sins. Let me give you another one. Matthew 20, 28. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his, his life a ransom for many. He didn't say everybody, for many. Matthew 26, 28. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the rest of for missions of sin. John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. As the father, skip down, as the father knows me, even so I know the father, and I down my I lay my down life for the sheep. Acts 13 48. Now when the Gentile heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. As many as been appointed. I keep going with more, many more verses. Y'all gave more time. Hebrews 2.17. Hebrews 9.15. Even Revelation 5.9. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seal. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and every tongue and people and nation. So God has saved the ungodly. And those ungodly that he has saved are the ungodly that he has predestined before the foundation of the world. We're not robots. But God knew that we would never chose him. Some of y'all might have got saved when you was young. You walked down the aisle. Anybody walk down the aisle and say they believed in Jesus when they were young? And you might feel like, well, I walked down the aisle and I believed in Jesus. Family, if you truly believe in Jesus, God began a good work in you before you started walking down the aisle. Amen. And so God still deserved the credit for your salvation, yeah. not you. 
Well, I got up and did it. I did all this. I did all these things. No, how could a dead person get up and walk? When it said we were dead, it said, I have, I mentioned this several times, I have done so many funerals, right? Again, I have never saw somebody get out the cast and say, pick a loop. I've never seen that before. I, I don't want to see that, right? That'd be scary. But it said we were dead in our trespasses. We were dead in our sins, but Christ, right? He made us alive. And so for us, we see that Christ is the one that saved us for himself. And God didn't wait till we got better. He died for an ungodly when it was weak. So some of y'all coming in like, man, I'm going to get my life together. I'm going to stop smoking that gas. Is y'all call it gas? I'm going to stop rolling up the Reggie. I don't know if y'all still call it that now. Is that what y'all call it, Rod? I mean, um, but again, some of y'all say, well, I'm going to get myself together. I'm going to put down the vodka. I'm going to put down these certain things. I'm going to start coming to church. That's not what the test is saying. This test right here is saying is that in the middle of where you at right now and your struggles, Christ came and saved those who was lost. Amen. He came and saved, not to fish yourself up, then come to Jesus. If you can fish yourself up, you're already there. Why do you even need Jesus? He said, no, let me fish you. Let me do it. You come to church as you are. And by coming to church as you are, let me do a work and let me transform your life. So what Paul doing here? He's letting us know that Christ died for us. And by Christ dying for us, when we're still sinning, this lets us know that, that Christ has assured us salvation forever. It's assured. You that God is saving you, not based on some good you bring to the table. So when time gets hard, you don't have to question your salvation. You don't have to question about God left you or not. God haven't left you. He haven't left you in the worst times. He haven't left you because he gave his son for you. How in the world he gave his son, then he gonna throw you away? His son mean more to that, more to you, uh, more to him than that. Amen. So, family, our justification is secured forever. And Paul even goes further than this in verse seventy-eight. For one scarcely died for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one dare even to die. Jesus dying for the ungodly is big. Because, to be honest, it's hard to die for a righteous person. Think about this, everybody. Everybody listen to this. Think about a car driving down Blake Street right here. And a person that you know that I stole from you in the past. And they get hit by it because they run across the street, they stole from you, and a car hit them. You have opportunity at this moment. You got an opportunity at the moment to retaliate against them. To be able to say that, okay, I'm going to let you sit right and get hit by this car. Or on the other side, you can say, okay, they're coming across the street, the car about to get, get ready to hit them. You push them out of the way and you get hit. Would you give your life for somebody that stole from you? Oh, let me say this right here. What if somebody's been so nice to you then? They've been so nice to you, and they're about to get hit by the car. Would you push them out the way for you to get hit by the car? Somebody's been very nice to you. Think about it for me. I got seven kids. This person's been hit by the car. Now, even though they've been nice to me, my kid's going to grow up without a father. 
They've been nice to me. That's gonna be hard for me to grab and push them out the way to get hit by the car. What about y'all? Would it be easy to jump in the way and get and get hit and push somebody out the way even though they're nice? Is that easy? It's still difficult, isn't it? It's difficult to die for somebody that stole from you, and it's still difficult to die somebody that even been nice to you. That's what Paul gets in here. Paul communicated here that Jesus knew what he would lose, but he still died for the people that have stole from him. We are the ones that have done wrong things to God. But in the middle of this, Jesus still, not that we were righteous, Jesus still said, no, let me get in the front of the car for you. Let me take this punishment so you can live. Can we get a shout on that, an amen on that? That Jesus took the place for us so we can live. And we weren't even righteous. We were still set in our ways. But it tells us in verse 8, a powerful verse in almost all scriptures. But God showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loved us. It's an unconditional love. It ain't like the relationship. Well, I'm going to love her. I'm going to love him based upon what he do for me. As long as he do this, I'm going to do this for her. Or I'm going to do this for him. Christ's love for us, Nate, is unconditional. It's not based upon what this person do and what I do or what this person do. Christ loves us regardless of our failures. That's how our marriage works. That's how our relationship works. You love somebody despite of their failures. Because I can look up me and my wife, you know, even though when my wife messed up way more than me, right? I mean, I still look, you know, I mean, I messed up more than her. She gave me the eye, y'all. But even though in these failures, she still loved me unconditional, even though she might turn her head away and everything. Hey, uh, okay. Why, why do I have to use that solemn word, that okay? And just pause it for a minute. That hurts so much, don't it? All right now. You know, you don't know what they're thinking, right? There's something going through their head in that moment when they just say, okay. Oh, we need to hear more of this, right? Y'all like, I don't know what I'm talking about. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But in the middle of this, Christ, he died for us, unconditional. He didn't wait till we stopped doing bad things to come to church. He died for us when we weren't coming to church. He loved us when we wasn't coming to church. So it's not conditional. It's not about doing this and get this. You can't compare Christ to the people you meet in the world. <laughs> Christ is different from the people you meet. The people that meet it, I mean, people you meet in the world, is that they always trying to do things. The baby say, I'm going to do this to get something. Christ is so different. Christ said, I did this. Hey, you don't have to do anything in the sense of the, to earn something else. I've done it once and once and all. So Christ died for us. So now Paul... Paul now replaces ungodly with the word sinners for us. This is us. This right here is us. Jesus did this for us. So we don't have to question our salvation. We're secured in Christ forevermore. Amen. Point number two. I kind of waste a lot of time on that one. So let's, let's push on number two. We say we are we saved from God's wrath. Another reason we know we are sure in Christ is that family, we don't go to hell. Look at verse 9. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Amen. Paul now transitions to another reason we can trust our assurance in Christ. First reason is that Christ died for us. We're in Christ forever. 
Nobody can take us away from his love. We are in Jesus forever. That's number one. Number two things it gets us that, family, you don't get hell now. You don't get God's wrath. His blood on the cross is a testimony of our acceptance. And remember now that the blood on the cross, when Jesus was nailed on the cross, they put a spray in his hand and put the nails in his hand. He was on the cross with the thorns on his head. He was on the cross. And at that time, the Father in heaven had to turn his back on his own son. The Father in heaven had to punish Jesus. We said, well, the Romans were one nailed him. It was the Father that allowed them to nail the hands and the son. Amen. It was the Father that did it. So the Father had to do it because the Father had to pour his own wrath out on his own son so the Father would pour the wrath out on you. That's some good news, ain't it, Shatera? Legend, that's some good news, ain't it? Is that for the Father pours his wrath out on his son. So what happened in our test here, though, is that Christ takes our place. Christ is punished. Christ get the wrath of God. So Jesus had to face the wrath of God. This goes back to Romans 1.18. Paul gave us a detailed account on the wrath of God to be poured out on. It will be all the ungodly. From Romans 1.18 out of Romans 3.20, this talks about the ungodly. Those that are uh, uh, those that are um, gossipers, those are, are, are revilers. All these bad things these people are is that God has given over them over to their own ways. It's scary, family, when a parent gives a child over to what they want to do. Think about a child want to put their hand in the outlet, and a parent doesn't stop them. Something can happen to that child. The child can execute them to themselves. If a parent gave their child over to what they really want to do, they eat candy all night, won't they? They won't eat any vegetables. They probably won't eat any meat. They eat candy all day. Think about God giving us what we want. Think about the things we want. For those that are single, right? If you want a man, you single, God is giving you over to your ways. We'll make a mess out of it. But what if God sent a man your way a man that's seeking after the Lord. Or a woman your way that's seeking after the Lord. But it's scary when God takes his hands off and allow us to be able to work through this life by ourselves. That's scary. That's what God done, right? He talks about in Romans 1, 18 through 20. God gave them over to their ways. Since they didn't want God, God let them allow them to light the things of their flesh. And that's scary. But the righteousness, the people that are righteous, the people that are of faith, they don't get God's wrath. They don't get that. God doesn't give us over to our by ourselves. For those who are truly in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit in us. So for those that are in Christ, we don't get God's wrath. And God's wrath is a beautiful part of his attributes. A lot of times people say, well, God, me? He's mean anyway. He did all this stuff. God is mean. But God, in a sense of, he has to be consistent with his nature. The wrath of God, AWP said this, the wrath of God is as much as divine perfection as his faithfulness, his power, and his mercy. Think about it. 
We God has to be a wrathful a God of justice. Somebody come to me and slap you right now. Just disrespectful. Right? And you take them to court. And the judge say, well, we got all the evidence that this person slapped you, but hey, we're going to give them a pass. What would you say about that judge? Crooked. He crooked. This judge go down. Some of y'all might say you want to slap the judge. That's an unrighteous judge. But in the same way, what about God then? If God is a righteous judge, and God has seen all these things that are Un, uh, that, that, are, that went against him and he let these things go unpunished what did it say about God? How can he be a righteous judge that he allowed these sinful things to go unpunished? A righteous judge is a judge that deals with the righteous deal but also with the wicked. A.W. Hey, Pink goes on and says the forerunner of Christ warned his heirs to flee from the wrath to come. The Savior bade his auditors Fear him, which are after that he hath killed, hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him, Paul says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we will spray men. Faithfulness demand that we speak as plainly about hell as about heaven. Family, we must talk about hell. We must talk about heaven both consistent. God punishes sin, but also God has a heaven. So second thing we hear, we can go and move on, is that we have assured in Christ. Paul gets it right here. It's not about sanctification right now in Paul's text. Paul is letting the church know that was that by being in Christ, you are assured in him forevermore. He's going to get to all the detailed issues and everything later on in the book. But right now, Paul wants to drill this in, KJ, that you are in Christ forevermore. And nobody can take you from that. No matter what somebody say, you are in Christ forevermore. The last thing here, Jordan, last thing. We receive reconciliation. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. Paul is trying to get us to think through the business of faith now. It gives us a guaranteed access to Jesus forevermore. It isn't based upon us. Because in verse 10, we're reminded again that we didn't have peace. But we were enemies to God. It says in verse 10, for while we were enemies of God, but God now has reconciled us to himself during the time of war. Because war wasn't going to cease until God dealt with all sin. So we were at war, God. You might have thought about that. When you was three years old, you didn't believe in Jesus. When you was a kid, you were at war with God. You were the enemy of God. And for those that are not believing today, you are an enemy you are putting yourself over God. You are an enemy of God. So at this moment, God has to pour his wrath out on those that don't believe in him. But the text tells us, though, that for while we were enemy, we were reconciled to God. The word reconciled gets that this call to exist, one say, call to coexist in harmony together. To make a show to be compatible. So last week we talked about peace. Do y'all know the difference between peace and reconcile? Okay, some people say yes. I'm still acting like you don't know. I'm saying anyway. Peace is saying we aren't at war anymore. Peace saying we good. Peace say you can come to my block and we good. 
You can come by, we good. We're not friends, but we good. Peace is like, hey, we're good. We're not enemies anymore. That's what peace gets said. But reconciliation goes further than that. Reconciliation goes further than that. It said not we just not good with each other. Now we can coexist together. We can be together now. We can hang out. So this is not like a person that squats beef with someone. Oh, we just squash beef. Hey, we good. We ain't into it no more. Just don't, hey, just don't come to my house no more. Don't call me up. Y'all might be in peace, whatever, but you're not reconciled yet. This is like history of America and how, I, I, I talked about this before, how blacks were considered three-fifths of a person. And I would rob my uncle not too long ago in a back, in a back road. I don't know if some of y'all might have known this. Uh, some of y'all went to Star City. My uncle, we was on the back road, we was talking, and he was pointing to me, and he was saying that, hey, nephew, we couldn't go to school in Star City because Star City wouldn't let blacks come to the school. And so we have to be taken all the way over to a place called Glendale, Arkansas. And what, what happened was that when they actually made the school start to, to come together, they only took kindergarten, the kids, the black kids, to come to the school, not the grown, not the black the older kids. And so he was describing the story of is that, okay, laws were passed. Okay, blacks can go to the school, but they still have to be kind of separate. So the peace can be there, but they still can always be intertwined. And so they wasn't reconciled together, but hey, they just couldn't deal with each other. That's some type of peace. They're, hey, we good, but hey, don't come around me type deal. That's an example. Another example a few weeks ago. Greg told his son and Trey J to hug each other. Trey J and Sean to hug each other, and both parties started running around the church. They didn't want to hug each other. So Greg and Zoe and a few others called Sean and put Trey J together, and they put them together and said, hey, make them hug and said, and squash everything together. But both parties eventually, eventually went on and said, okay, we're good, we're good, just don't deal with each other. They became at peace with one another, but they didn't want to reconcile with each other. I say, hey man, we cool, man. Hey, but I don't want to deal with you. So there's no more beef. But hey, we're not together. We don't come and coexist together. This is what Paul is getting at in his text right here, though, is that we don't only have peace with Jesus. We are in Jesus. We are married to him. We don't not not just not enemies and say, hey, y'all are good, don't come around. Family, we are good and we can't come around. Amen. We can come to the family reunion. We can come to the table. We can enjoy him forevermore. So we are reconciled to God forevermore. We know this from the text we just read. Paul tells in Ephesians 2, 12 through 14. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, alienated from the coming of Israel and strange to the covenant of promises, having no hope and without God in the world. Verse 13, but, but now in Christ Jesus, you... Bearing in Christ Jesus, you were who was once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down his, his flesh, the dividing wall of hostilities. Family, we not only have peace, family, we are in Christ forevermore. Amen. In Elijah, nobody can take that away from you. Nay, nobody can take that away from you. 
by being in Christ, the love of Jesus, nobody can take that away from you, Miss Alina. It's forever. How do we know? Look at verse 11. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We can rejoice. Paul has used this word rejoice several times now. This excitement, this actually celebration. Rejoice in the hope of glory in verse 2. Rejoice in our suffering in verse 3 through 5. Now in verse 11, he uses the word again. Rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received receive really reconciliation. So family, through faith, we can bask in God's glory forever. By faith, we can get his glory forever. By faith, we will never be separated from God even when times are hard. Through faith, we will coexist with God. And being with God is better than being around a person that's sitting right beside you, which they should be exemplifying God as well. Through faith, we get all the things in Christ. So Romans 5 is not getting that sanctification right now that for us how we going to grow in Christ. Romans 5 is getting that no matter what you're going through, Christ will never leave you. That's the gospel he let you know. This is part of that gospel message that Paul is not ashamed of in Romans 1.16 that he's not ashamed of the gospel because Christ has saved him and Christ has kept him forevermore. So Christian church, by faith we get Jesus forevermore. Let me end with a couple applications. Since Christ died for us, remember that we won't be judged again for our sins. Jesus was the judge for us in the past and he has took the punishment for us so now we can walk a new to life. So Christians, they got your head down. But man, how can I really be a Christian and I just looked at pornography yesterday? How can I be a Christian and I did these things? Family, the gospel lets us know that regardless of our failures, Jesus saved us. He saved us. He took the punishment from our sins in the past, from our sins in the present, and our sins in the future. Amen. All of our sins are nailed to the cross. Can we rejoice together? <laughs> that our sins are nailed to the cross forevermore. And with that being said, we cherish that, don't we? Amen. It ain't like, well, Christ gonna forgive me. Let me go ahead and do it. If Christ truly forgave you, you don't want to do it no more. You fight it now. You fight it like, I don't want to give in to this. Christ died on the cross for my sins. I don't want to give in. I'm going to fight this forevermore. Point number two. Since Jesus died for our sins, let us not go back into the things of this world. We get eternity, family. We get treasures forevermore that don't compare. All these things in the world don't compare to what we get in Christ forevermore. Look to Jesus, y'all. Look to Jesus. Again, I talk about singleness and marriage. For those that want to be married, Family, a spouse will not meet all your needs. A spouse will not meet all your needs. I know you saw them commercials and saw all these certain things, these actors and actresses and everything. If I only can marry this one lady or this one man, my problems go away. No, they won't. Because the problems are already in our own hearts. So that perfect person that come, you're going to mess them up anyway. So it don't matter in the sense of the way of you waiting on that perfect person to come or that perfect job to come. Or that perfect thing that happened in the world, it's not gonna come. It's gonna disappoint you one day in the future. It's gonna disappoint you one day. 
You're going to enjoy it sometime, but it's going to disappoint you. It's even pornography. You look at pornography, you look back at it, like, oh, goodness, what did I just do? And some of y'all might look crazy saying about pornography in church. Family, we can't keep it real in church. Where can we keep it real at? And the thing is that is that for us in Christ, family, let us be reminded we get more in Jesus. More in Jesus. Taste and see how sweet he is. He's sweet. Point three, application. We are reconciled to God. May we don't, may we not live our lives as enemies, but as friends to our, to our Lord Jesus. Family, we are friends. We're not enemies. We're welcome to the house. We don't have to knock on the door. And when we knock on the door, we can enter right now. We're in the house now. Right. The, 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 we already knocked, right? Whoever knocked, right, he, they can come in. Family, we're in the house. How do we know we're in the house? Guess what he tells us in John 14, our brother went, he's going to prepare a place for us. He's going to build us even a better house. He's going to build us a better house. And family, we're going to have the house. We ain't have to worry about knowing the, have to know the passcode. Family, we already know it. John 3, 16, the code, right? We're going to always have free access to him forevermore. And we're going to have insurance on the house. Because we are insured in Christ forevermore. If you can't pay for insurance, it's already get it. It's insurance and jobs out forevermore. Amen. Y'all be encouraged. I love y'all so much. Be encouraged what we have in Christ. But for those that are not believers, I say for you today, turn to Jesus today. Turn to Jesus. Be baptized. Come be baptized here at Christ Redeemer. Turn to Jesus. Put your faith in him. If you feel like you can save yourself, you can't save yourself. If you feel like you've been terrible all your life, that's fine. We've all been terrible all of our life. Turn to Jesus today. I would love to talk to you afterwards. Please talk to you afterwards. And let us live this life with you. I'm going forevermore, things of that nature. Love y'all. Let me pray for y'all.